Money touches everything. We can't live without it. You know, it's kind of like air. As long as you're out there providing value in this world, you're going to be receiving value. If you have not dealt with what was up here in your mind, there are millionaires, billionaires that have all that wealth that still feel very poor. No one is born knowing about money. Money, all it is, it's energy, you know, so we want to keep that flowing like water, like fresh water flowing, moving through different things. Welcome back to another episode of the Yes And Podcast. As always, I am Bunny Young, your host. The Yes And Podcast is all about being able to not just have the life that you want, but also being able to enjoy it. And I have brought today a very special guest, one of my friends, but also spirit animal in the aspect of how she thinks about money. This is a big topic for a lot of our audience, having enough money, making more money, and having our money work for us. So I am absolutely thrilled to bring in Tanya. Welcome to the Yes And Podcast. I'm so excited to be here, Bunny, and to talk money subjects. Yes, yes. I think one of the things that I want to jump into is the aspect that you were born in Spain, right? Correct. Yes. Born and raised in Madrid. Yeah. And so how do you believe that kind of like European mindset differed from when you came over to the U.S.? Do you believe like there's a different mindset around money in Spain and in Europe compared to what you've experienced kind of being stateside? It's such a great question because, yes, I think there's certain money-limiting beliefs that we can overcross culturally, you know, from one culture to another. But then there's other acquired cultural beliefs that we'll take on. And in my case, I was born at the end of Franco's dictatorship. And that trickled into the 80s, you know, where we were kind of like a mess as a country run by patriarchy. On top of that, my dad, I come from a very patriarchal family too, you know, seven uncles, my dad's seven brothers and one sister and the sister's the youngest. So all of those things had an influence on me from the perspective of how I related to money and other things. There was this like invisible unspoken language that I got from a very young age that men are worth more, you know, or they're more deserving. And as a woman, you don't have to worry about money. You just have to worry about taking care of the men in your life, you know, kind of being subservient to the men in your life, whether it's a husband, a father, they're the dominant ones. They're the ones that are successful. They're the ones that make the money, you know, and so you'll marry someone, you'll find someone to marry that'll take care of you financially. And if, if you're not lucky enough for that, then, then your father or a brother or an uncle will take, it's the male figures, you know? So that was one aspect that I had to kind of confront several years ago, you know, just kind of questioning, you know, like, is that really true? You know, can only the men in my family be successful? You know, like my dad, my uncles, you know, that's like a really pivotal moment. And I know for a lot of the clients that you work with, and I know from my clients as well, and just speaking about wealth and speaking about money, kind of two things come up for me. One is it tends to be very polarizing in the aspect that when I talk about being wealthy, in that notion, which we'll get into that, but being wealthy and kind of that definition in a lot of female communities, that's like boastful and kind of it turns women off. And I'm not generalizing, but that's something that I've I've received a lot of. And the other big thing, and you can start anywhere you want, but the other big thing is you said years ago, you had this realization. I kind of want to know what that moment looked like because 
when you only know what you've known so far, like what happens in your life where you were like, yeah, you know what? This is this is conditioning and I'm going to live a different life. It wasn't like I woke up one morning and I'm like, oh my God, let me address my money situation and how I relate to money. I think it was accumulation. I'll tell you a couple stories that I think were pivotal to that journey. The first one being when I left corporate America to just freelance, I didn't even consider myself an entrepreneur at that time. That seemed like entrepreneurs make millions of dollars. It's a brick and mortar. You know, like I had this whole concept of what an entrepreneur was, but I quit corporate and here in the States, when you quit corporate and you have a 401k, you have to roll it over by law into an IRA. You no longer have a 401k if you're not working for a company. And a 401k is a pension plan for anyone that's listening that's not in the US. So I, like a goody two shoes, went into the bank. I went into a city bank and I did what I was told. You know, I, I'm not going to break the law. And so I was assigned a representative at Citibank. So I didn't even know, you know, I wasn't even like a financial advisor and I rolled it over. And so they kind of asked me some questions, you know, like how risk adverse are you? Where do you want to invest? And I was like a deer in headlights. I was like, eh, I have no idea what they're talking about. I'm like, yeah, sure, sure. We can put it into that mutual fund. We can put it into this, you know, like just following their information. And, and this is key because no one is born knowing about money, you know, and for several years, I kind of beat myself up. I basically abdicated my power relating to money. And it's funny, the representative was a man. It wasn't even a woman. So again, following my limiting beliefs that men are the ones that know better, a man's a financial plan, you know, like just all these beliefs. So anyway, I put it in there. We moved back to Spain for four years and I didn't look at the portfolio. I didn't follow up. Of course, this is like 2007 when like the market went down. I lost a lot of money came back to the US after those four years and I was pissed, but not pissed at myself who I should have been pissed at. I was pissed at the rep and Citibank. I was like, how could he have lost me so much money? You know, like I just, I was upset and I vented with my husband and he's like, you know, why don't you just contact my family's financial advisor, because he'd been dabbling in the stock market for a while. And he's like, contact my financial advisor and just roll over. You pick your stocks. You pick stocks with dividends. And I'm like, dividends? What's what's a dividend? You know, like, I didn't know if there was, because English is my second language. I didn't know. I wouldn't have even known in Spanish. You know, like a lot of these terms, I don't even know what they are in Spanish. So I asked him, what's a dividend? You know, I felt comfortable with him explaining it to me so that when I go to the financial advisor, at least I'd feel a little more knowledgeable. He gave me a list of stocks with dividends. And this was a key turning point of starting to feel a little bit empowered. I learned what a dividend was, and then I went to the advisor and I'm like, give me the list, please. And he sends it to me. And a lot of those companies, because my previous life career was in advertising, I worked for multi-million dollar accounts in New York City, like Starbucks, Samsung, you know, like all these huge corporations. And some of those were on the list and it, they just did not align with my values. You know, I'm like, I don't want to invest in that. I'm not going to say names of companies, but certain ones, because I was doing the advertising for them and helping them sell. And I just, I'm like, no, scratch. No, no, no. And I picked four or five stocks that I felt, you know, that's again, me feeling empowered. I'm like, oh, well, could you invest in these five stocks? You know, so I felt important. I'm taking control and I let the money sit there. 
you know, again, like what I did with the guy with Citibank, but there was a difference. They say that it takes approximately seven years to double your money in the stock market. And within 10 years, not seven, I 10X'd it. I added a zero to my initial investment. But throughout that process of those 10 years, it was just so exciting to see my money multiply without me having to work hard. Cause that was another limiting belief that I had, you know, like you have to work hard for money. You know, we wear that with pride, our family, we come from a family of hard workers. You can only achieve success with hard work. And I'm thinking that's not true. I haven't really been doing anything. I look at this portfolio every so often, the dividends now are kind of multiplying. And so now you start feeling more and more empowered. You know, it started with understanding what a dividend is. Then I think it's decision and education. So that started on that path. And then with my business, I started doing well too. You know, like I hit my six figure mark only working 20 hours a week because I had a little one at that time and it was following systems. It was not me trying to reinvent the, the wheel. I had a previous business with my husband and we lived the feast and famine. We had never like hit a six figure revenue, like where I could replace my corporate salary. But what I was realizing with the women that I was working with, my clients, as well as with colleagues and other women in, in my circles, is this whole idea of it doesn't matter how many strategies you put in place, even six-figure, seven-figure, you know, earners, it didn't matter how much strategy, if you have not dealt with what was up here in your mind, you know, like the limiting beliefs, you can make a lot of money, but you'd, they'd lose it right away because maybe they had a belief that people with money are bad or people with money are corrupt or the famous one from the Bible. No, money is the root of all evil, which is not even true. It baffled me. And again, I started with curiosity. I started surrounding myself with the right mentors, the right teachers and the metaphysical world, as well as in the financial world, learning more about stocks. I started learning about cryptos. I started investing in cryptos in 2017. I didn't even understand it. Even to this day, it was more of an intuitive thing, but I started feeling empowered again. So that's been my journey. I want to say in the, like the last 10, 12 years now of just opening myself up to these kind of conversations with more women, surrounding myself with mentors and teachers that feel aligned with me. Because a lot of them could be very male driven energy. So I'm not just saying men, because sometimes there's also women. We've also been programmed because of patriarchy to run in that male energy. And it's, it's surrounding yourself in these type of groups, having these kind of conversations. Like I was so excited. I'm like, Oh my God, I can't wait to talk with funny. See what kind of conversation are we going to have on money? What can I learn from her? What can she teach me? What can, you know, what can I teach the, the listeners from my own stories, from my own experiences, from my own mistakes, you know, so that's a little bit of the journey of how that happened. No, I love that. And part of my journey was that I made I made some money early on from modeling. And my grandfather had a business partner who, I, he's passed away now, but his name was Lance. And Lance had explained to me that his role with my grandfather was the investments. And so Lance would, my grandfather owned a trucking company and Lance would buy the warehouse that the trucking company would operate out of, receive the rent from my grandfather, but ultimately own the asset. And it was little things like this, that these little micro lessons when I was growing up that I feel so blessed to be able to have on top of being a third generation entrepreneur. And so time and money were never really bound together. It was because my 
parents had a service-based company. However, they could also increase their rates according to the quality of service that they provided. And so I learned those lessons pretty early on. But one of the big lessons with Lance is he was having a conversation with me. I said, well, what should I do? And he goes, I'm going to give you the tools to make your decision. I'm not going to tell you what to do. And even with my mom, so my mom did the money and the finances with my parents' company. And so my mom, I'm going to make this up, but she get a $100 check. And I'm like, we made $100. And she's like, well, we made 80 because we're, we're giving $20 to the government for the privilege of being an entrepreneur and running your own company and all of those kinds of things, which now I'm in a position where I could argue with her about how we could limit that $20 that's going to the government. However, back then I got the lesson and then she explained to me, your dad can do this and we can make $80, but then your dad misses your softball practice. Or we can hire somebody to do this and we bring home, I don't know, let's say $40 and pay somebody $40, pay the government the $20, and then your dad gets to go to the softball practice. It was lessons upon lessons of that. And so I was really appreciative of that because when I started my first company, I had college that was getting in the way of of making money as an entrepreneur. And so I ended up hiring friends from college and that just blossomed and grew to where we had more clients and customers than I could physically serve and I could make money while I was in class because I learned this lesson. And I'm just so grateful. There are lessons and there are times around money that specific memories I can think of. My mom, on one hand, wanted me to have new clothes going into the school year every single year. And I was blessed to not have to wear a uniform for most of, you know, my academic career. And so, but we would go to the register and she would sigh. Like it was, I remember it like it was yesterday or like it was this morning because it was those credit card machines that you slide the credit card over and it makes the carbon copy. And my mom unconsciously would have this sigh. And I think that's because growing up with an entrepreneurial dad in the trucking company and he was in the restaurant business prior to that and went bankrupt. I think she had her stuff around, I have money now, but how long will I have it? And that, without even growing up in that environment, you can see how that passed on to the next generation, despite the fact that I was surrounded by a lot of abundance. Where I want to go next is this yes and aspect of, you talked about clients that have a ton of money. And I've worked with billionaires at this point. And it's interesting because one of the things that I was coaching one of my clients on who had, you know, all of this money is how to enjoy life how to not just chase after the next level. It's like this client probably had the same drive to reach 1,000, 10,000, 100,000, and then into the millions and then got to the billions. And it's just like, you're just moving the needle. You're not actually enjoying life. And so there's this aspect of having copious amounts of money and on paper being what we would call wealthy and yet having a poverty mindset. And this question for you of, can you be wealthy and not, have a ton of money to your name. And I, I know how I feel about it, but and I think we feel similar, but I want to go into it with you. I love this question, Bonnie, because there are millionaires, billionaires, multimillionaires, whatever the number is, that have all that wealth, but still feel very poor. And there's also the vice versa, you know, and that's one of the things that I teach. I have a signature program that's called Money Magic Miracles. And one of the teachings in that class 
is I, I coined the term, I made it up. I call it universe cash because I do believe that we live in a world that's just full of abundance. There's abundance of air, there's abundance of water, there's abundance of animal species, there's abundance of trees. So if anyone wants to argue that because people are like, oh, but there's not enough water, but there's not enough trees. And I'm like, no, we have the abundance. And on top of that, we have the abundance of creativity and imagination. So if we're lacking in something, we can come up with the resources. We're resourceful enough as humans beings. That's the gift we were given that no other animal has to be resourceful, to have imagination. So what universe cash is, and this is a great exercise for anyone that's listening that lives in that space of there's never enough. I never have enough money. There's never enough in the bank. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough. And we all experience this. I don't care if it's the billionaire, the millionaire. Here's the thing. Money and our money beliefs is not a one-stop shop. It's not like, oh my God, I just listened to Bunny's podcast. I'm good to go. I just uncovered everything it is. That's just the beginning. You just hit a breakthrough. Awesome. Keep on writing it. It's an ongoing work until the day you die, because it doesn't matter how wealthy you are, things are going to show up. And your job is to uncover it and find evidence of the opposite. What I have my clients do is keep track of all the things that are coming to them, all the abundance on a daily basis that might not be wrapped in the gift wrap of actual money. It's not a $100 bill. You're not getting $100 or $20, but you're getting a free lunch. Because Bunny and I decided to go to lunch and Bunny's like, oh, let me pay for it. I haven't seen you in a while. And instead of rejecting it, because a lot, especially women, we tend to be like, no, 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 let me pay for it. Or I feel horrible or I have, I owe her now, you know, accept it and write it down in your little notepad. Or in my case, I keep it on my, on my phone. And so that's whatever you are going to spend 25 bucks on your lunch, then write down. $25 of universe cash. Then you go to, I don't know, Amazon, you purchase something and they're like, oh, you just got a 20% discount. You saved $40. That's another gift. It's just wrapped in a different way. So we don't tend to focus on that because we, we just kind of take it for granted. It's like, oh yeah, I got a discount or someone paid for my lunch or my coffee or, or gave me a gift, you know, like any gift, any discounts, you know, like all those things is the universe trying to give to you. It's just giving in different ways, you know, versus just cash. And when we can shift our focus because where our attention goes, energy flows, you know, so if we can start shifting our attention into the abundance versus the lack instead of focusing on like the bank account and I'm like, oh my God, I, I didn't make or pay for your bills for your cell phone bill, for example. And you're like, oh, you're huffing and puffing. Like, I can't believe, you know, another 150 bucks for this cell phone thing. And you're, we're complaining. Instead, I want you to look at it as like, oh my God, thank you for the privilege of being, of, of providing me with cell phone coverage for a whole month. And I am so happy to write this check out, but just do it with gratitude. It's such a shift in energy. And another thing I'll add to Universe Cash, play the game, you know, play the game of setting an intention at the beginning of the month and say, okay, this month I intend to manifest 200 bucks of Universe Cash and just play the game with the universe. It, the universe is very comical. Like, it, you know what will happen? Most of the times what I've seen, you'll either make the exact $200 or like $3 less or $5 more, you know, like it'll either be the exact number or above and then keep 
challenging yourself, go higher, and you'll start shifting your mindset. What we want to do is rewire those neural pathways, you know, and just rewire to see and spot the abundance around us. I love that. And I have some homework for you, the audience, and Tanya, you can bring this into your program as well. Of course, in traditional bunny fashion, we're going to go big or go home. I challenge my clients with spending 10K before 10 a.m. And, and it's all in their mind. However, like you get up in the morning and you are setting, like Tanya said, you're setting your neural pathways to say, okay, I have $10,000 and I've got to spend it all before 10 a.m. Are you going to book a cruise? Are you going to, you know, pay off a credit card? Are you going to pay off a car? Like what, what is it that you're going to do? And I find that a lot of clients think about like getting rid of debt first, which great. That's wonderful. In fact, you know, if it's credit card debt, probably not going to get 27% in the stock market today. So you might as well, you know, pay off that credit card. But it's once all of that's cleared and, and gone, even if it's only in your mind, where you're attuning yourself to having $10,000 to spend before 10 a.m. And something shifts and something changes. And I've gotten like, I, I should post or share some screenshots, but I've gotten like the best of individuals sharing like just the how their day changes when they start their day with that level of abundance. And you're 100% right about the gratitude. I, about a week and a half ago, our entire air conditioning system froze. Like it was a solid ice block. And we had the person come out and he was like, it's two grand to fix it or it's a 20 year old system. And so it'll be like 12 grand to replace it. And I just sat there and thought to myself and was like, wow, you know, 12 grand for 20 years of comfortability in a house that I get to create memories in. And yeah, like, am I thrilled in that very moment to be writing that check? Because that was the other thing is the company is a family owned company and they don't take credit cards. And I was just smiling to be like, what is this money? What impact does that have on their lives, on the individuals who are going to install the air conditioning, on their company? And the fact that they got out here, and the fact that my air conditioning had the respect to break in May as we're recording this versus in the middle of June, you know, and while I'm like four or five months pregnant and stuck in a hot house, and then I'm going to have to go to a hotel on top of everything. And when I had that mindset, the guy said, you know, we've got some window units we can hold you over with if you like. And then I called them to schedule and they're like, well, we could do it this Wednesday or we can do it two Wednesdays from now. Well, I already have a vacation planned. And so we're going to be gone for 10 days. And so there's two more weeks that I get to hold on to this energy of the $12,000. And just finding all of those little gratitudes has completely shifted everything in my life. But for that particular experience, I, I there's so many times and ways where I could have grumbled about that. And I'm just so grateful to be a homeowner and have that opportunity to, to have that asset and have that home and have also the ability, the electricity, the everything to have an air conditioning. Because I've lived in Ecuador where we didn't have an air conditioning and I've lived in China where we didn't have an air conditioning. So, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I love it. I love the reframe, Bunny, because anyone that gets hit with that, and it's such a reminder because it doesn't matter how much money you have. Like I'm thinking to myself right now that I've even had my own, like, oh, I have to figure out, you know, like how to move a 0% credit card. And I got hit with all these things. And just you sharing that story, I'm like, oh, she's right. I need to make some phone calls and start paying some things that I've just kind of like left there because I'm like, oh, 
I have to pay the tax thing. So it's applying my own work, you know, and like what we're doing. So I so appreciate you sharing that story. And it's not only the impact on the family, which I always like looking at that too, you know, when you can employ other people and when we flow the money instead of hoarding it, you know, because sometimes it's like, oh, let me hold on to it because what if, and we come from this place of fear, like what if we can't do anything with this, you know, like what if things get worse? You know, like you could have easily been like, oh, I'm not going to pay the 12 grand now. Let me do like a, the unit or hold on because 12 grand, you know, like what if I can't generate that? Like that, what that does is it's a lack of trust in your own resourcefulness and, and stopping the flow of money. Money, all it is, it's energy, you know? So we want to keep that flowing like water, like what happens with water when it's stagnant? It just, it, it gets full of bacteria, all their things. You want fresh water flowing, moving through different things. So that was a beautiful story. Thanks for sharing that funny. No, I, I appreciate it as a reflection because, you know, it's something that you're attuning yourself to. And you can also like have the visualization when you're thinking about money to, I thought about, okay, I'm going to be sitting in an air conditioned house and I'll be able to, I don't record the podcast from the house, but I do coach. And so I'm going to be a better coach because I'm able to serve clients from an air conditioned house. I'll be cooking better meals because I don't know how many of you have ever tried to cook in an unair conditioned kitchen. It's not fun, you know, and I was thinking about the Thanksgivings and the Christmases and how many people are going to benefit and be more comfortable and how that ends up like flowing out into the world. That is something for you guys to think about as well as when I think about getting or receiving that income. I set aside a certain amount, always 100% of the time, to like a little bit of savings and a little bit of like emergency cash. And because I've had that discipline, maybe it's just $50 or $100 here and there. I know I have that to fall back on. And in true transparency, I call it my oh shit account. But like you can call it your emergency account. And so it's, it's that trust that trust but verify, right? Like trust in the universe that I'm going to have the cash when the cash is needed and also, you know, squirrel some away so that it's, I know I have that cushion. And that that's my little take home tip for you guys. And Tanya, what are your closing remarks, closing words to our beautiful audience that's joined us today? I love that you're open to having this conversation about money, especially for women. Listen, and I know men too, you know, like I've had my cousin, he's like, the work you teach is not just for women, like men need to, and it's true, men need to learn this too, because it's been like a burden that's been put on their shoulders, you know, of just like, oh, well, you are the the financial plan. Why aren't you doing the finances of the home? Maybe if you're in a relationship, the woman is better at this. So why put that burden on men? So anyway, I just want your anyone that's listening, open yourself up of starting to analyze and question your beliefs with money, you know, because it's all programming that's just been passed down to us. And I really would invite you to start being open, being in these type of conversations, listen to more podcasts like this, maybe read some books and just start educating yourself and get curious about money and your relationship with money. Because here's the thing, money touches everything. We can't live without it. You know, it's kind of like air, unless you're living in the Amazons. If you're fending for yourself, building your own home and you're off the grid and don't need money for anything, awesome. But that's not the majority of us. So you do want to cultivate a good relationship with money and use it to your advantage. 
Yeah, you brought something up that I just want to circle back to about, you know, what you're listening to, what you're surrounding yourself with. And, you know, if we go back to the the air conditioning for a second, my husband's in the military. And so no matter how good he does his job, he gets a one paycheck, you know, like that's that's it. And it's a set limit. And it's even posted on the website for individuals who want to know how much he makes. And him and I've had that conversation. I am the primary breadwinner of our relationship and in our household. And that's not super common coming from his family. And I don't know how common it is coming from my family, but I've never really stopped to think about it. But when we opened ourselves up to have more conversations, it allowed my stress to come down because I'm not responsible for the finances, even though I'm the primary breadwinner. Like even though I make more money than my husband, I'm not solely responsible for them. And so when the air conditioning broke and I was talking through all of this, my husband was walking behind me as I was having this conversation. He's like, well, that's like one speaking engagement for you. And I just love that we've created a dialogue in our relationship and that I've intentionally surrounded myself with people like yourself that are abundant mindset that you can reflect back, look, the limitlessness of our lives. And as long as you're out there providing value in this world, you're going to be receiving value. And that, like you said, Tanya, that can be a free lunch or that can be a $12,000 check. And so it was just a beautiful moment in my life to see this man who, when we got married, you know, would receive a check and think that that was like the best thing ever and then go spend it all at a, on a video game or something like that, you know? And to just think that he could only ever make what was given to him and then to have him be behind me and be like, there's nothing to worry about. That's that's one hour-long speaking engagement for you. Like, no, nothing to worry about. It was just such a beautiful moment in my life, so... That could be a whole other conversation, Bunny. I'd love to have you on the podcast to discuss that because there are starting to be more women breadwinners, but it's not talked about as much. And how do you dance that? Because I feel like we're also in a generation that's like in between, you know, like I feel like our kids, our daughters, this will be like, what? That was an issue, you know, or you struggled initially that the woman was the breadwinner. But I come from a generation, like I said, you know, the women was subservient, the men made the money, they were the breadwinners. And I've also gone through this phase with my own, with my husband. And how do we play that dance? And there's been moments that I've been the breadwinner. There's been other moments that we've been pulling more from his savings, you know, of like what he built with the portfolio. And so it's fascinating. And I think it's an important topic to talk about because again, like money in itself, it's kept very secretive. Not a lot of people, I think some men can feel shame about it. Women might want to not emasculate their partners. You know, I know I went through that phase, you know, like playing small because how is that going to make my husband feel, you know, like if I'm suddenly succeeding and making all this money, but, and how did I get over that? So that is such an important topic, Bonnie. I'm glad that you brought that up. Definitely something to dig deeper into. Yeah. Well, first and foremost, I want to thank the love of my life. It's it's not been a moment in our relationship since we got together that he has had that conversation with me about feeling emasculated. Like he just came out of the gate, super supportive. And in the military, you know, he gets a lot of, I guess, slack around it because he drives 
my car to work every day and it's a Lexus. And so they'll say, oh my gosh, you know, you have a Lexus. And he's like, it's my wife's car. Like, oh, you married a sugar mama? And he's like, yeah, I did. And I love her and I take care of her. And like, that's, I guess, what we can talk about when we go over to your podcast is just like this, the relationship where my dad did the work in the company, but my mom managed the office and the operations and everything. I saw how there's a balance there. And I couldn't do, I couldn't travel and serve and speak the way that I do without my husband's consistent support and just all the little things. And also just knowing that he believes in me no matter what. Every time I open a company, every time I'm like, hey, we're mortgaging basically like we're betting the house literally on the success of this company. He's like, we're betting it on you. There's no reason to worry. I have to give him a shout out because I don't think I tell him enough how uh, incredible it is to know that I am 100% backed by him. And that's just an incredible dynamic for my kids to grow up in. I feel the same way. So kudos to all the men that are supporting the women and their lives, you know, in one way or another. And it doesn't have to be monetarily. It could be in just holding your belief and your spouse and, and supporting them and their success. So yes, I feel I totally, it makes my heart smile and just reminds me of my, my own husband that I'll go down and say, thank you. Thank you for being awesome. You're awesome. So kudos to all the men listening to. Yes. They're going to get the biggest kiss and not even understand like the conversation that we just had. So, well, I'm going to link your podcast in the show notes below as well as everything else in order to, for you guys to continue this conversation with Tanya and connect with her. I'd highly encourage that. And from Tanya and I both, we want to thank you for taking us with you, whether you were driving in your car or walking the dogs, all of those kinds of things. We really appreciate you being here. I would love to hear from you on social media, on Instagram at the bunny young and send me a DM. Let me know how this landed. Let me know what other topics around wealth and around money you would like to hear from and just life in general for the yes and podcast. And I will see you in just a couple weeks for our next episode of the yes and podcast. Have a great day, you guys. And thank you for making the world a better place. Go live your yes and life. 